0: I think a lot of kids just really don't know how to just basic playing on the playground and making friends and trying to facilitate those things. How, when that social emotional piece of when feelings are hurt, you know, that's also something else that I've had to learn a lot about that social emotional piece, because when I first was an SLP, it was like, they were very divided And now with ASHA, we see how much they overlap and the importance of it and just really helping kids knowing like small problem versus big problem and reacting so that they are, they're pragmatics, but also socially, they're able to then work well um, in the classroom with their peers. There's a lot of more collaborative assignments now.
1: Hey there, and welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. My name is Benita Litvak and I am so grateful you're here. I'm an ASHA-certified speech-language pathologist, author, and augmentative and alternative communication consultant who is obsessed with helping SLPs like you stop reinventing the wheel and connect with other SLPs in the trenches. Have you ever wondered how other SLPs seem to be doing it all with ease? Well, around here, you'll get to hear firsthand how SLPs are really getting things done while keeping evidence-based practice and self-care in mind. Think of this as a coffee date with your SLP friends. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while we learn together.
2: Today I'm joined by Melissa Sipia, a speech-language pathologist for 12 years. Melissa has primarily worked as a school-based SLP, She's also worked part time in pediatric private practices, as well as teaching first grade for a year. Melissa has two children, and her family is her priority. She left speech therapy to be a stay-at-home mom for 11 years and jumped back into the field this past school year, working in a K through 12 school and building relationships with her students. Language has always been her passion, since she believes that communication is the key to creating our relationships. Melissa, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so
0: much for having me. I'm very excited for this opportunity.
2: Me too. And we live like super close to each other. So that's really cool. (laughs) Uh, So does that cover everything? Or is there anything else you'd like to add before we talk about improving reading comprehension skills in the schools?
0: I think just um, being my first year back in the field, I did work for a couple of years in the special education department at the school that I work at currently, and just trying to learn all the things. Google, um, just getting myself back into curriculum that's going on in the classrooms as opposed to a couple years ago when I left um, and also combining that with all the language development of raising my own kids and seeing it firsthand. So it's been really exciting trying to jump back in.
2: That's amazing. It seems like all of your paths have led to like this moment in your life and you get to be at the same school with your children. So that's amazing.
0: Yes, I couldn't be, you know, I'm very fortunate to be at their school and also, um, you know, being in the classrooms, having that different relationship with the students
2: in the classroom. So it just really makes it more meaningful. Yeah, I can see that. Well, let's talk about this boom in speech and language evaluations and the needs in the educational setting.
0: So I've worked in a couple of different school districts, all in Florida, um, And I would say every school that I've worked at, the caseload has always been huge. And that's been the difficulty to juggle. And then leaving um, to be a stay-at-home mom and coming back this past year, it's the flip. It's been evaluation after evaluation and just working with these kids that really have missed out on a lot of experiences and having difficulty with that inferencing of vocabulary that they're expected to know in the classroom um, and really helping them fill that gap. And the, you know, the speed of the lessons and what's expected in the classroom is so fast. So it's like such that crunch to really teaching the prior vocabulary to then linking it to the experience to then working on the lesson that they're expected to know before the assessment takes place. And so I feel like it's just that catch up really mm-hmm. I'm seeing across the board. Um, it's also been with articulation and phonology as well. And I think it's just a lot of the kids, it's that first year where really we haven't been masked. And so it's really trying to fill those gaps.
2: Yeah, no, I could see that like trickling down. It's interesting, we've seen the standards change for, uh, from the CDC. Right. I wonder if we're going to start to see the standards changing for like even our standardized tests, you know, because they're normed years ago. I wonder if we're going to start to see them like being updated and if we'll see the requirements like a little more lax and, you know, not kids being like identified.
0: Right. Even the year prior, um, I had started helping with some of the evaluations that were coming in and I was, reading the, um, it was the comprehension part portion and it was about, um, kids going on a field trip. And Mm -hmm. the student looked at me and they're like, I've never been on a field trip before. So even just some of those basic things that we take for granted, like we've all been on a bus, the student had never been on a bus. And so it's really trying to, again, kids that, um, and I'm going to go back to my own son who he's an average learner but really he's in fourth grade now and struggling with that inferential vocabulary and language and linking that knowledge. Um, And so that's really, the piece is how to fill that gap. You know,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. the basic thing to do is Google something and show a picture, but it's not the experience of, oh, that's right, yes, I've done that. And that's what's happening in the book or that's the information of the lesson I'm learning.
2: Makes sense, and I think just from what I've heard in the past that like around third grade, fourth grade is where we start to see that gap widen even more, right? Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: Um, beginning when I first was an SLP in the schools, um, and working at a private practice, I loved the pre-K to second grade age. I just loved, um, you know, that just learning language and that beginning language boom and now I don't know if it's because my kids are a little older or just knowing what's going on in their classrooms but just that fourth through sixth grade is more where um, you know I have that interest now because that's where those kids are really struggling because mm-hmm. of what's happened in the last couple of years.
2: Yeah no that makes a lot of sense so let's talk about like what has happened in the past couple of years that has created this impact on speech development, social skills, and vocabulary building.
0: I think a lot of kids just really don't know how to just basic playing on the playground and making friends and trying to facilitate those things. How, when that social emotional piece of when feelings are hurt, you know, that's also something else that I've had to learn a lot about. That social emotional piece, because when I first was an SLP, it was like they were very divided. And now with ASHA, we see how much they overlap and the importance of it and just really helping kids knowing like small problem versus big problem and reacting so that they are, they're pragmatics, but also socially, they're able to then work well um, in the classroom with their peers. There's a lot of more collaborative assignments now. Um, I think when I think back, like um, how it's impacted them and talking about linking their prior knowledge, you know, we always did the KWL charts, what you know, what you want to know, and then what you're going to learn. And I think now in the classroom, they do a lot of think-pair-share, which I think is a great opportunity because the kids are talking about their experiences, learning from others, they're also having to collaborate with others and also just in talking with others and listening to what others have to say. So I think that it's just evolving, but also helping them navigating those experiences because with our language impaired children, those things are a little bit more difficult to do in the classroom. So setting them up with those strategies for success in all those situations.
2: Yeah, no, that's great. So why is it important to try and build vocabulary and prior knowledge as well as social emotionally building our students up for success?
0: Um, I think it's important for them all around as far as how they're um, impactful and successful just during their development but also obviously from years to come but you know Especially like I said, in that band of that fourth, fifth, sixth grade years. Um, in those years is where, yes, from third grade on it builds a gap to where it is more that um abstract knowledge that they're expected to know and inference that information. And if they're not able to inference the information or have a point of reference, then it just they will then continue to struggle in school. Um and you know, it's just that like. Hamster wheel of trying to catch up.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I'm trying to do a lot of like with the students just to link. Um, if they're reading a book, trying to link their experiences to the characters. How are you alike to the character? And then it's almost like a light bulb goes off, like, oh yes, that's what they meant. Or Oh, I am like this character. So then, it's a little bit more interest to continue reading and learning and understanding. It's just, it's imperative all around. Um, I see it with my students as far as social, emotional, as well as, you know, learning and keeping up with the information in the classroom because those are the students that start to, um, you know, stick with themselves, not really interacting. On the playground anymore, not really um, doing those collaborative assignments. Just almost giving up and looking to others. And we want to build those, you know, confidence and leadership skills with them, so they can be confident to be the best they can be.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you shared a strategy of how you help them relate their own personal experiences to like the characters in a story. What other strategies do you use to help with inferencing?
0: I'm really big on board maker. I know that that's, you know, the old school AAC. Um I use it a ton with my first second graders. I use it for articulation, but I also use it for my older students just almost like rebus mm. um, stories, linking pictures within or teaching them that when they read a chapter to almost write like a like a summary or a gist of what they've learned and put post-it notes throughout the book. And then I give them pictures. At the end of each chapter, I'll put some pictures from Boardmaker and we'll write like two sentences together and create meaning. So it links that meaning. Um, Recently, I had a student, they were reading the book City of Ember. Mm -hmm. And in this book, they create a whole, they're on earth, and there's tragedy on earth, but it never says what it is. And they go underground. And so I was trying to teach the student, he just couldn't understand why they would do that. And I'm like, well, remember, we live in Florida, what do we do during a hurricane and trying to make it meaningful? to them and it was kind of like, oh, that's right. We seek shelter, we stay inside when something bad is going on around us. And so I'm just trying to really have that relativeness to all learning um,
2: for them. That's a great strategy and uh, an old school tool, but I love how you're using it in like a new way.
0: I do it together with them, sorry. We pick the pictures together. We write it together. So it's meaningful to them. It's not just giving them another, um, school tool or something that they have to do together. We pick it together and do it
2: alongside each other. No, I think that's super important because then it like provides that motivation for them. I I
0: do too. And, you know, I hate to keep saying before how I did things, but I think it's just moving with the times that before we always would do like pre-teaching vocabulary. And right now I feel like the curriculum moves so quickly Mm. that there's really, it's not meaningful to them. If I'm pre-teaching vocabulary, but they're in the thick of another unit and they're not there yet, it's, they, they aren't grasping that knowledge like I hope they would. So if we're doing it while they're in it, um, then it will help them have that point of reference, like mm-hmm. I said, and make it meaningful for the now. Um, So then they can feel more confident and feel like they are keeping up with their peers.
2: It makes a lot of sense. I do remember that we would teach a lot of like the academic vocabulary related to the lesson or fringe vocabulary and coming from like an ABC background where we talk about core and fringe and how fringe is used right. so minimally. It doesn't make a lot of sense like to teach that fringe for that academic lesson and then it doesn't transfer over to the next one. Like what's going to give you the most bang for your buck?
0: Exactly. It's um it's like trying to cram in all this information in a short time. Yeah. And you know, studies show that they have to hear this the verbiage and the vocabulary, um, is it eight times I think before then they use it on their own. I'd have to go back and look at that. Then, I think uh, it
2: might be higher, like 20.
0: Um, I think I think you're right. So, so it's it's trying to have that balance because in some of these classrooms, I'm pushing into the classroom, and so I'm helping them with the lesson as they're working in the lesson with their peers, and you know, it's trying to manage more inf- information in a shorter amount of time in the classroom, doing what they're doing mm-hmm. um, to keep up and, you know, teach the strategies for success. Um, so that that's challenging trying to juggle all the things at once
2: for them totally it makes more sense to like teach the skills to inference and within a story so that they can then do it for like the other ones which you're describing like one strategy is relating their personal experience and then providing visuals to and then summarizing it themselves
0: I'm very fortunate that um, at the school there's also it's it's K eight. There's mm-hmm. also a high school there as well. I have some students in high school, but typically it's more the K eight that my caseload is. And I have an ESE teacher that is phenomenal. And we work well together. I teach in her learning strategies class, mm-hmm. which is amazing because she's we're kind of like collaborating together on the strategies and teaching the students to where we can really hone in on their peaks and valleys and, you know, their strengths and their
2: weaknesses and helping them. That's great that you're able to do that, like collaborative teaching and pull from each other. That's awesome. Yes. Well, this has been really helpful. We don't get to talk about this topic a lot on the podcast. So, but I know that SLBs in the school system are dealing with this a lot. (laughs) So I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this. If people are interested in following up with you, where can they find and connect with you?
0: Um, well, I am, like I said, first back in to the field again, um, my take two. So my Instagram is Mel Sipiak. And um, I'm just trying to grow that and also grow as well still as an SLP.
2: Wonderful. Well, can't Thank wait you. to follow along you. on your journey. Thank you so much, Melissa. It's been a pleasure. And we are very close to each other. So maybe we'll have to arrange a meetup sometime. (laughs) Yes, I would love that. I would love to chat more. And
0: thank you for this opportunity and this experience. It's been fun. Great. Thanks. Until next time.
1: Thank you so much for listening. By the way, have you joined the SSU crew yet? By joining, you get access to the free goods section on our website, plus podcast updates, special event notifications, and therapy inspiration. You can sign up at bit.ly slash join SSU crew, all lowercase, or just find the link in this episode description. Also, don't forget to take a screenshot of this episode so that you can always refer back to it and share it on social media. If you really love the topic, take care and remember to always fill your speechy side cup first before you can pour into others.